1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. We have a full house this morning. Over to you with today's first guest. Thank you, Tina. So excited about this show. What a packed show that we have for our listeners. And joining us first is Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, Asif and, and Tina. Thanks for me back on the program. Tim, uh, a lot has been said about the blind bidding process that we have in Ontario and a lot of calls for an Australian-style auction. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I totally get why some people might say that, right? There's a lot of frustrated buyers uh, out there. Um, the reality is we have more people who are looking to uh, buy a home that's, that's a great thing. It's a smart long-term investment. It keeps us safe. It's a place for our greatest uh, memories with our family. But the frustrating part is you have more and more buyers, but not enough inventory. And I've been there. I remember uh, a few years ago, Debbie and I were in the same boat, you know, looking to get a place. And you go in and you make your offer and somebody else wins. And then you go down the street and it happens again. And it's no wonder that people will say, well, there's got to be a better way. But I will tell you, Asif, with my, with my hat on from 21 years of service at Queen's Park uh, and now almost five of the Real Estate Association, you really have to think these things through. And uh, the first rule of government should always be do no harm. Try not to have unintended consequences that make things worse. And, and the biggest thing government should focus on right now is solving the underlying problem that's more inventory and more choice in the marketplace. So are there rules and regulations in place to make sure that agents play by the rules? Yeah, there's really three things that need to be done. Number one, we need more supply, right? I mean, that helps make sure homeownership stays affordable. If you don't get the home that you want, there'll be another one hopefully along the way. That's number one. Number two, the Ontario Real Estate Association has called for and been successful uh, with the provincial government in getting uh, a more effective, more nimble, and tougher regulator in RICO. We don't want to see anybody uh, taken advantage of uh, by a real estate uh, agent who's not playing by the rules. We want the regulator to suspend or revoke licenses, uh, kick people out who take advantage of anybody when it comes to buying a home. And third, when it comes to the offer process, we are also very successful in advocating with the province to give people a choice. If you want to use a traditional offer process, then choose that. If you want to do an Australian-style auction where everybody's on the front lawn and bidding on the house and it's really exciting, do that. If you want to have an auction process where, you know, all the realtors sit around the table, when we can do that again and share all of the details of competing offers, uh, do that. But you have to make sure when it comes to something like this that it's done through consent, that people have a choice in where they want to go to, not force them. There's no place in the world, uh, Asapentina, where the government dictates that everybody has to do an auction. Give people a choice. And that's a great point, Tim, because as beneficial as an open bidding system may be for a buyer, we don't know if it's going to be beneficial because it still could drive prices up, but it could be detrimental for sellers. And, you know, 
not during the actual process, but suppose a deal fell through. Suppose it didn't appraise, the home didn't appraise, and the deal falls through. Now everybody knows what that home, what the seller had accepted, and that could jeopardize their position in the marketplace. Well, you know, that's what our advice has been to government and uh, to, to make sure that you think through unintended consequences like that. And ultimately, the home seller, she should have that conversation with her realtor on, on what the best channel is to think of all of those eventualities and think it through carefully. Like, let's not forget, right? This is the greatest, uh, most valuable asset that people own. It's a place of, of very precious memories. And that's why at ARIA, we believe that the home seller should be in the driver's seat to choose how they sell their home. There could be a very unintended consequence here, too, to say that it might actually reduce inventory in the market. People might say, well, I don't want to do an auction. I saw how that works in Australia. It's high pressure and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to go through this red tape. And they may not list their home in the first place. There is a risk here that if you force everybody into an auction, you'd have fewer homes that actually go on the market and make the affordability issue even worse. Well, actually, that was my next question. Do you think then that prices would go up, you know, with an open bidding process? So the interesting thing is in Australia and New Zealand, uh, auctions are common. They're not forced by the government, but people choose them. So why do they do that in Australia and New Zealand? Well, they believe that it gets higher prices for sellers. And if you look at Australia and New Zealand, this exact same thing is happening there as here. There's more people who have built up savings. Mortgage rates are low. There's pressures under COVID. People say, I want to get a place of my own or more space. Huge demand, not enough supply. And they're having double-digit increases in Australia and New Zealand with an auction system. Often they're advised there to do an auction because it creates what they call auction fever. You don't like the person standing next to you. You want to outbid them. Your adrenaline goes. You don't have that you know, quiet moment to think with your realtor about whether you can afford it or not, and people get carried away. There are a lot of studies that show that auction fever and that open bidding process drives prices even higher than the traditional offer system we use in North America. And Tim, with the seller's agent having a fiduciary duty to the seller and the buyer agent having the same towards the buyer, do you think opening up these systems into uh, an open bidding uh, type of situation or auction does that overlap any of the responsibilities, and, and can we see a conflict of interest if that ever were to happen? Well, I see a lot of challenges here, and that's why we've advised government to, to, to think it through, uh, don't have a knee-jerk reaction, and always give people a choice. You know, a couple things on that uh, asset. Let's not forget, too, that a home that goes on the market, it's usually a, a, a real-life human being or a family that are behind it. It's not a faceless corporation or government-owned. It's usually somebody, you know, like my mom, who has to then plan for her, her retirement and wants to get value for her home. It, it might be a young couple expecting the first child, and they need to finance uh, a larger home, right? So they're making serious decisions about their personal and their family's future. And that's why they should be in the driver's seat uh, when it comes to how they sell their home and to work with a realtor on the best way um, to uh, to do so. I also do worry that... You know, if you force everybody into an Australian-style auction, there, there may be some buyers who say, look, I've got to put in my offer conditions about selling my own home and, and this address. I've got to, you know, put in my uh, offer, you know, the maximum that I can afford for a down payment. And do I really want to share that with a collection of strangers around the table 
who may be competing against me down the road. So I do worry that if you force everybody into it and you don't get everybody to say, yes, I, I consent to this, you may have some sellers, sorry, you may have some buyers who also walk away because they don't want to share with strangers some of their most personal uh, financial information. Tim, as always, you're the, the voice of calm during a volatile situation. So thank you very much for bringing that and for your contributions, uh, as always. For more information, you can go to orea.com, O-R-E-A.com, and we talk about, well, the major issues of the day, making sure home ownership is more affordable, uh, increasing housing supply, and making sure we have a strong regulator so people do break the rules or take advantage. Uh, we want to see them out of the profession. Uh, we want to focus on the highest professionalism in North America. Tim, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye, Tim. After the break, the hot market and consumer complaints. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. On the Market is back. I'm Tina Cortez, and this is York Region's only radio real estate show. Over to my co-host, Asif Khan, from REMAX Prime Properties, with our next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Carla Fennick, a consumer, a homebuyer from Hamilton, who wants to share her story about the bidding war process. Carla, thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi. Carla, take us through what transpired through your offer process, and let us know you know, how did it start, where did it go, and where did it end up? Um, we tried to sell our Mississauga home for over a year and a half. Uh, we had beautiful property, but obviously, uh, you know, you're not going to part with your property with low-ball offers. Um, and then we had some personal family issues to deal with. And then with COVID, the delay of, you know, not wanting people in the home to look at. So um, we spent about a year and a half. So finally, in November of 2020, um, I had just decided with my husband, we're like, let's just take it off the market and we'll just invest here. And I would just stay in Mississauga and commute every day to Hamilton. And, you know, God willing, somebody showed up and was like, no, don't take it off the market. I'm going to give you what I believe it's worth. And it was great money, but the condition was we'd be out in three weeks. So um, we're fortunate. We have family and friends. So we, we packed up and we came back to Hamilton because that's where I'm originally from. Um, I only moved to Mississauga on a temporary basis. The plan was always to come back with my children because that's where my support is, their school and everything. So now we're in Hamilton. And in November of 2020, the market wasn't the way it is now. We started to see a pattern. Um, the prices of homes that were eight hundred to nine hundred thousand just got uh, crazy in the sense of the homes that were eight hundred nine hundred thousand needed two hundred thousand dollars worth of work, which really would have been a house listed for maybe five six hundred thousand. Um, and then as January progressed, um, we increased our um, budget, I guess you would say. So, and we thought, you know, if we're going to be in the million dollar range. Um, you know, it wouldn't be as less, uh, as intense, I guess you would say. But one of the things I started to notice, and, and also people have a misconception that this was our only bid or our first bid. It was not. Um, probably in the course of a year and a half to two years, we've probably looked over a hundred homes. Um, having said that, in the last five months, um, I can't even tell you how many homes uh, we've looked at. I mean, some days were 10 homes a day we were looking at. Um, and as for bids, um, it's 
probably in over 20. Um, sometimes we were going to go and put an offer on a home, and then all of a sudden we get a phone call saying, oh, they changed the requirement now, they're holding offers, uh, they're going to have a bidding war. And so we were like, okay, you know what, our heart's not really in that property, so we would walk away. But one of the things I started to notice was when we were putting in for a bid, or we put in the first offer, um, because they weren't holding offers at the time, um, in the morning, they would be texting our agent, uh, asking about closing date. They started asking about things about the agreement, getting information that ideally, in my personal opinion, it should be a counter offer. So they would try and get information like, oh, are they more flexible on the closing date? And, uh, you know, um, one, one was we had a financing because we felt like the house was a little bit overpriced. Um, and then they wanted to know, well, why do you need so many days for financing? Um, and we were like, well, there's holidays that come into factor. It was over Christmas holidays. So we're like, when you actually count the days, that's why we did it that way. But it really only worked out to being, I think, two business days um, where things were open. The other thing that we started to notice, the pattern was financing in the sense of we're pre-approved. So we're good for the money. But what people don't understand, the house may not be good for the money. And that's another thing we started to see. Um, listing agents started putting a lot of pressure on people in the sense of, oh, well, you know, your, your deals, you know, we like your offer, but, you know, we don't really want the financing clause. And, and oh, you don't have the money. And it's like, no, we have the money. We just are concerned that maybe we're overpaying on the house, which is fine. But we want to know if the bank's going to say, you've overpaid by this much. Now you have to come up with that difference. Um, and it's not an issue if we could come up with a difference or not. The money was there, but I'm a proactive person. I like to know what I'm dealing with. Um, you know, your home is your biggest purchase. Um, it even got to the point of the deposits. Like, you know, six years ago, 10 years ago, $2,000 was more than enough for a deposit. 5000 maybe even ten. Now there's an expectation of 25000 50000 100000 200000 for a deposit. And they want you to come in firm as well. And, you know, if you say to them, I want 24 hours just to, you know, for the bank to say, yeah, it's all good. Or, you know, if the bank says, no, you're going to be short, you know, because you're overpaid, so you've got to come up with a difference. But they, you feel like you're being strong-armed. And I'm not just thinking about my own experience. Like, this is what we started to see with us. And it wasn't our agent representing us. It's the listing agents. They're, you know what I was referring it to? A slaughterhouse. It is a complete slaughterhouse out there, and it's carnage. And it, it's, it's unbelievable at the way buyers are being, I, I guess you would say, treated, or they're not being properly informed. Um, you know, if you were to talk to mortgage brokers, they'll tell you the horror stories of people going in firm. And then they find out that, yeah, so you got approved for a $600,000 mortgage. You overpaid. Now you've got to come up with a $100,000 cash difference. And they don't have that money. And then their families are taking liens, lines of credits on their property. These are things that are not being discussed in this housing market. And it's wrong. And buyers are, you know, their, their agents maybe aren't fully disclosing everything to them. Or their agents don't understand everything. Or their agents think, oh, you were pre-approved. It's all good. Or, you know, the property is worth it. Is it? But is it really worth it in the sense of just because someone's willing to pay $2 million or $3 million on the house doesn't mean the bank's going to say it's worth that. So when we got to this particular property, um, 
you know, we went in, we put in our offer, and this was the kicker that when I found out, we put in our offer the night before, and our agent came back and says to us, uh, they've now advised that they want 48 hours irrevocable. And I looked at our agent and I said, I don't understand. You're holding offers. You want everything by 9 a.m. What do you need two days for? Honestly, what do you need two days for? Because when you think about it, you can't call anybody. You can't. It's, it's illegal and unethical. So what do you need two days for? So I said to our agent, no, I'm not doing that. You're not going to hold me hostage. And one of the comments that agent, listing agent said was they wouldn't look at any offers that were a deposit less than $100,000. We put a deposit for 150000 just to say, like, we're here, we're serious. And, you know, they want 48 hours. You're not going to tie my money up for 48 hours. What if another house pops up that's better? I don't think so. And what do you need 48 hours for? I'm not the only offer. You're going to have a bunch. So in the morning, it was 23 registered offers. Our offer was only good till noon. So the first mistake was he called our agent at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You can't do that. We're dead. We, we shouldn't even exist anymore. So that just proved that the listing agent didn't do his due diligence going over each offer with his client to explain and what the offers are. But here's the thing that bothered me the most, guys, is you had five hours, and now you're calling our agent to disclose that there is an offer 80000 more than ours. What do we want to do? And you think you're the only person that's being told? I know people that have been trying to buy, and they're told, oh, if you come up 50 more, they come up the 50 more, oh, you're almost there. They come up another 25. Oh, can you come up another 25? And then they're like, I have no more money. And then they don't get the house. And then it sells for $100,000, $200,000 over. You, you, you can't be calling and disclosing. And listen, I don't have an issue with the bids, the blind bids. I, that's not the issue I have. I don't have an issue with someone holding offers. The issue is the manner in which some of them are conducting them. It's wrong and illegal. You know, sometimes with the sheer amount of demand that's out there and the supply being limited, you're going to get, you know, just like you experienced 10, 15, 20 people in these bidding wars. And if the agents act ethically and honestly, it usually is run properly. I know you said that you'd sold a bunch of houses before and, and purchased houses. Did you ever come in to bidding war processes or multiple offer situations in the past? And how were those handled differently? So when, when we've bought and sold, this bidding war stuff wasn't really around. Um, so typically when we bought properties, um, cause my husband and I had discussed about it, it was really like the only ones that were, you know, putting an offer in on the home, uh, so to speak. So, um, now that we are in the process where some of the homes are bidding wars, um, you know, it, it's, we don't have an issue with, with the blind bids. Like the, it's the way they're conducting, not like some of these agents are conducting them. Like this whole text messaging, uh, when you get an offer and, and trying to see, oh, are they flexible with the closing date? You shouldn't be texting. As soon as I told our agent, tell them no. Tell them to put it in writing. As soon as he replies back, my client's not going to discuss things over text. Put it in writing. Their response back, oh, we have till 6 o'clock. And then at 5 o'clock, we get a phone call, and they say, oh, we have another offer on the table. I said, well, of course you do, because I know how it works. We put an offer in, and you've got to email anybody that showed interest on the property that you have an offer, and I don't have an issue with that. 
And then at five o'clock, it's, you know, we have another offer and our agent will say to us, well, what do you want to do? And I'd say, you know, at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. this morning when they were trying to get more information from you, price was never a question in the text. I said, so I'm just going to wait. You know, because I'm not, I'm not going to be giving more money or get into some bidding war. There's only two offers on the table. 15 to 20 minutes later, they're contacting our agent. Are you sure your client doesn't want to reconsider? I say to our agent, reconsider what? What do I need to reconsider? What, are they going to tell me something that I don't know? Are they going to tell me what I need to reconsider? He's like, they can't do that. I said, exactly. I said, so let nature take its course. Like, I'm not here to play this game right now. Because in the morning, price wasn't an issue. And I tell you something, I can name two particular deals that ran like that, and the only difference was $15,000. But if that offer at 5 o'clock came in and it was more money than us, they would have taken it at 5 o'clock when they realized that we weren't going to budge. Oh, no. It was like an hour later. Oh, hi, we decided to go with the offer, and that property was, it, it only sold $15,000 more than our offer. So do I, am I making an assumption that they're disclosing numbers and how much people need to come up? 100%. But I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Um, and, you know, things happen for a reason in life. And, you know, I got lucky. I was able to buy the house next door to my best friend of 21 years. Um, so um, we are not bitter by not getting the other house. Um, but like I said, coming forward was to educate buyers and also coming forward was hopefully to return moral compass back to some of these listing agents that have been conducting the way they are. Thank you very much, and uh, we are very grateful that you made the time to come on our show. No, and I appreciate you guys contacting me to get the word out. When we come back, your questions for Asifkan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. And the first one comes from Jacob in Markham. How much financial support can my agent provide me in terms of preparing my home to sell? Asif, what do you think about this one? That's a great question. And this is what separates some of the top agents from some of the discount agents because the discounters aren't able to provide that opportunity for the homeowners to maximize their return from the property by doing renovations or helping with renovations or financing renovations. And now there are forms or contracts to sign just to guarantee that the agent would be able to recover the money that they're putting in because they're putting this in out of their pocket in good faith in order for this transaction to be completed. There are agents out there, Jacob, that will actually spearhead the renovations and and pretty much become the GC during the the whole project. And, uh, you know, we, I have agents in my office that will actually put people in a hotel for a week or two weeks until the home is renovated and sold. So, so many things that uh, go into this process. The best thing to do is interview agents, find out what they can do and make sure that it aligns with what you want to do. There's going to be a cost analysis involved in order to make sure that the renovations being done do provide you with a benefit at the end of the day. So you want to have that conversation. And how do you approach that conversation? 
It usually starts at the initial consultation. And when the realtor goes through the home, they're able to identify areas that need attention, renovations, and possibly even just cosmetic renovations that won't cost a lot. A lot of times the homeowners will take this upon themselves or if they have a a home equity line of credit, they're able to use that. Sometimes they don't. And instead of the realtor just saying, all right, well, we'll sell it as is and you won't get as much, sometimes a good realtor will look at this and say, hey, listen, if I invest in your home before it sells, I just need to know that I'm going to be getting that money back at the end of the day. There's usually a bit of a surcharge for the services because, you know, again, they become the general contractor, so they have to oversee everything, make sure everything is working. And uh, that way the homeowner has peace of mind that they are going to maximize the return from their investment in their property. And the realtor knows that, uh, you know, whatever renovations that they've done is going to result in a higher price point for the, uh, for the seller. And could this include staging costs as well? This would include staging costs as well. Now, there's going to be the actual renovation costs. There's, there's materials, labor, everything goes into it. And then at the end of the process, they would need to stage your home. Now, a lot of times, the furniture and the decor that people have in their homes is used, especially during COVID, because people don't want other people's furniture coming in into their homes and things like that. So a lot of the times... We will work with the seller's furniture and belongings to try and spruce it up. Our next question comes from Tim in Richmond Hill. He wants to know, is it wise to loan my son and his fiance funds for a deposit on a new home? What's your advice, Asif? The bank of mom and dad, the bank of mom and dad has really become popular over the last few years. And it is a safe investment. I mean, these are your kids. They're not going to run away. And at the same time, There's lots of ways that you can protect your money by asking the lawyer to put a a lien on the home or a second mortgage on the home and put everything in writing because you want to make sure that your money is protected and at the same time, it's a great way to help the younger generation get into properties. So you're saying it's a good idea, but put it all on paper. Exactly, and a lawyer would be able to help you with that at the closing. Now, you have to remember... Some banks don't allow second mortgages on financing. So sometimes it becomes tricky, but, uh, you know, you can always do it as a line of credit on a home or uh, a second mortgage after the fact. Okay. Asif, if our listeners have more questions and prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? You know, they can always reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.